Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I think I feel like it's another ass comment, but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. I'm back, bitches. She's back. However, let's give a very nice slow clap <laughs> to Aldwin. You know, slow clap is usually when you're annoyed at something or you want to <laughs> give a fake congratulations. But this is a real congratulations to a really good, solid 30 minutes of entertainment that you gave our audience last week. I thank you for that recognition, and I humbly accept it. <laughs> I will say to you and to everyone that's listening today, the moment that I finished recording that episode, immediately I texted Jason and I said, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> you must never go on vacation. You must never go on vacation. Nothing nothing should will ever happen to you for you to miss another episode because, <laughs> I mean, A, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work when it's both of us, let's be yeah. honest. But yeah. it's a lot more work when it's one person recording. And B, I just miss the banter. Yeah. It, it was literally like talking to my, like pretending to talk to a friend for 25 hours. I mean, you mentioned Russell's name a couple times, so I kind of <laughs> felt like he was there with you. But yeah, it, it is a totally different dynamic. I give, I tip my hat off to anybody who does a solo podcast. You know, we We've done a show with Miles, who does his own um, tennis show. So it is a very different kind of skill to be able to speak to an audience that is not there and have a conversation with them and, and engage with people on the other side of the microphone. Uh, it is nice to have a partner in crime to do this with. So I look forward to doing the show with you i know firsthand how much work it is to do it on my own so i mm -hmm. uh, can appreciate that and you did an excellent excellent job i was laughing um on while i walked the dog <laughs> and uh thoroughly entertained as i said to you you had a nice through line you introduced the show um you t hit all of the things that I, I sort of was peripherally following as I walked the streets of Italy <laughs> like a hussy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was very good. Well, thank you. Um, I think the more interesting topic that we should discuss is how is Italy, girl? Italy was all it was meant to be. <laughs> it was five and a half days of just it was just nice to be out of Toronto to be honest mm -hmm. and we did a lot of stuff in five days and it felt like a nice getaway we did a pasta class in this guy's apartment nothing happened except the <laughs> pasta making and we went to Venice for a day we Wade got to see his old high school because he lived there back in 1995 nice 
we um, had some nice dinners. We cooked some nice dinners in. And we just walked and shopped. And yeah, it was nice. Sounds gorgeous. Did you take my advice from last week's episode and pay a quick visit to uh, Mr. Berrettini over there that's recovering with his hand no. surgery? No, because mm. I knew he wouldn't be able to help me if his hand wasn't functioning. <laughs> <laughs> we keep it clean on this show, I promise. <laughs> yes, it was a nice time to get away. It was short, but um, hopefully we'll get to go, go away again soon. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so full disclosure didn't watch a lot of tennis was following it through all of the apps that i have on my phone caught a little bit of action and was able to catch the finals um Mm -hmm. when i got back and admittedly now that i've listened to your episode and i've seen the title of your episode we should basically (laughs) call this episode part two because um those moves just continued um, all the way to the title for both of those. Yeah, folks. I, I, when I created the title last week, I didn't really have any doubts that Iga or Carlos were going to at least make the final of their draws. But if I had to choose one of them to securely make that final, Iga hands down was the woman in the draw that was like, I will put everything that I own, which is not very much. <laughs> I would bank that and be like, she is for sure making the final, which she actually, the two women that I thought would make the final ended up making it. So, yeah. I mean, you own a few things. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of clothes. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you like to call them pieces. <laughs> Let's be clear. You are clearly in the fashion game. You have a, a Poshmark account uh-huh. and you beat follow you personally on Instagram know you'd be selling them clothes. Yeah, you know what? Listen, I, I worked in retail for years, so pieces, I do own a few. <laughs> yeah. um, Iga's going to be selling a lot of pieces of a lot of things because she's going to get a lot of endorsements after winning three straight 1,000 events in a row and becoming like the first woman in a while to win the Sunshine Double. Yeah, I mean, I mean to throw additional light shade on Emma Raducanu, who I talked about last week. <laughs> Iga is going to pick up those endorsements, but still spend as much time on the practice court. <laughs> <laughs> but you read a story that where she said that she spends as much time as, on the practice court as she, as she should, but then does one post and she gets all the flack for it. I mean, sure. Do I believe her? <laughs> who am I? Who am I to judge her? Who am I to discredit what she was saying? But whatever Iga is doing on the court is clearly paying dividends. Yeah. And what is she doing on the court? She is monster balling that forehand. Babe. She has put some variety on that serve. And <laughs> she takes that ball motherfucking early. Yeah. You know, I have to say, watching her progression of the matches in Miami, I don't think I've seen a woman as dominant as Iga since, really? I mean, let's think about it. When was the last time a woman on the WTA tour was just thrashing through a draw? I can't really remember. Probably Serena, no? I mean, thrashing through a draw, it would be her at the French Open. 
Okay, yeah, you're in right. In 2020, right? Like she, there was not a match th- that she lost more than like five or six games in that tournament, if I recall. I remember Jeannie was like all excited because she she lost to her three and two or something <laughs> in, the, in the third round. Yeah, you know what? I love that you brought up that fact because I don't, even Barty, who we're going to talk about later in the show, although she claimed the number one ranking, Barty sometimes had a couple of hiccups as she moved through the draw, whether a Grand Slam or a Masters. But Iga's really the first woman in a long time to replicate what like Monica and Steffi did in the Mm -hmm. 90s, where they would like be on court for 30 minutes, give up no more than one or two games in a match. Like Iga has everything. And it's, it's, you know how you and I were talking about like, there needs to be more consistency on the WTA tour. There needs to be a woman that really kind of dedicates herself and just like, you know, asserts herself as the one to beat. I think that we're getting that from her, which is so refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. We have talked about the fact that there needs to be a few players who sort of consistently week, week over week are winning and winning and winning. And we've called for it. We've kind of begged for it. We, thought we were going to get more of it from Barty. We were like, this is going to be the player who's going to do it. And then she crushed our dreams. I know. And then (laughs) she's like, I do not want to be number one anymore. I would like to retire. And somebody has now picked that up and has said, bitch, I'm going to be number one. Okay. Can I tell you the thing that I have been most impressed with, with Iga? Okay, yes, we've talked about her insane forehand. We've talked about her beautiful serve and that huge kick serve that she has as a weapon. I think that in watching her matches in Miami, the common thread that the commentators seem to be repeating over and over again is her insane defense. Like, when I think about her, immediate, the immediate kind of... um, Uh, comparison would be with Maria Sharapova. Remember when Maria was at the top of her game? Like, first of all, she had no, Maria had no business winning the French Open, but (laughs) she managed to couple being super aggressive with having the most insane defensive skills. And, you know, even against Naomi Osaka in that final, Naomi was like blasting away as she normally does. But the commentators would say over and over again, it's like against Iga, you have to hit an insane shot Three or f- three or four of them in order to finish a point, which makes her so difficult to beat right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked like Naomi had no answers. She was obviously, I think, spraying a few more errors than she would usually. Usually, but that's because Iga is so good and so aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Iga's only, I think, real weakness right now, and she's only 20, so she has time to improve it, is that second serve. Like, mm. you could see in that final with Naomi, Naomi was like <laughs> five foot, five feet inside the baseline. It's like where everybody stands when they're returning my second serve, or maybe oh, even sometimes my first serve. <laughs> but, um, yeah, even, even though she was not really serving that well and Iga wasn't hitting a lot of first serves in that match she um yeah she just was able to overcome and get back in the point um even off of her weak second serve but that's like a small a small thing she hits the ball early on both sides mm-hmm. and she's like you said she's the she's the most athletic player on the tour right now yeah i mean i when I was watching that final, the first, truly the first 
seven or eight games of that final were pretty competitive. I think there were like a couple of breaks that were swapped in the first few games of the first set. And um, just like you said, I found it so comical that whoever was receiving serve was standing three or four feet (laughs) inside the baseline as if like, I cannot give up ground. I need to like get up in the point early. I have to make an aggressive return. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to find myself behind in the point. So it, it to me, it was just so funny how like they're trying to be aggressive from the jump. And um, I don't know. I, I thought it was going to be more of a competitive match, to be honest with you. Um, Naomi Osaka, we've talked about how she's had a different outlook on, on tennis. And, you know, when they were like kind of tied in the first set, I thought it was going to be kind of close. But it just was like a wash. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, I, after um, Naomi got broken in that first game in the, the second set, I knew sort of the match was over. She's mm. just like a step or a step and a half slower mm. than Iga is. And when you have equal, if not more power on your forehand than Naomi does, you're, you're, it's not, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I've said it before. Someone teach me that forehand. Have you, like, I marvel at those slow motion forehand drives that, uh, that go on replay. Like, how does she hold a racket like that? I don't know. I don't know. Like so much spin. Like, can you imagine hitting a forehand and every single time knowing that it's going to stay in? What does that feel like? Yeah. (laughs) I uh, was looking at her scoreline. You kind of rattled them off. I think in last week's episode of the same name. (laughs) No, I'm I'm not precursoring what we're going to name this episode. Part two. Um, she lost an average of 4.33 games per match. Like 6-2, essentially. Yeah. Throwing a 6-3 in there. Yeah, exactly. So the only uh, player who gave her a tough match was, I guess, in, if you look at the scoreline, was Pagula, 6-2-7-5. But I, mm-hmm. I didn't see the Kvitova match, but I heard that was a tough match too, and it was 6-3-6-3. Yeah, you know, the covid of a match, you know how sometimes a scoreline doesn't really indicate how well a player did. I mean, when you look at 6-3, that could really be just one break. But, um, yeah, I was expecting more from Kvitova. Goff, I said this on last week's episode, I thought Goff was going to be a real test. But Iga just has this way, again, of turning uh, off defense to offense and weathering the storm. And... She, when you watch her in her matches, she just has this X factor of knowing that she could not, she, she doesn't necessarily have to win a point, but she's always still in it. She doesn't lose the momentum. So that's really dangerous because a person that has all of her gifts and all of her, all of her skill, that can translate real easy into just like, okay, I might not be 100% today, but I know I'm going to win this match. So I don't know. It's kind of exciting for women's tennis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's exciting to see a player grabbing things. And, you know, she kind of indicated at the after winning that, um, you know, her mind was blown at, at sort of the accomplishment of winning against Naomi and perhaps winning her third 1000 title but then in the pre-trophy presentation interview she's like i was born ready to carry this trophy (laughs) so um she kind (laughs) of is like coming into her own and and realizing 
um, the success that is coming her way and the work that she's put in to do it. And I was reminding myself of after she won the French Open, everyone assumed or believed that she was going to be like this only this clay court player i remember mm. people were dragging her like she's not good on hard courts she she only can string together a couple of matches i think she made the fourth round of the u.s open and people were like that's all she's gonna do and now she's won three masters 1000 or whatever eight <laughs> wta 1000 hard court events in a row okay quick question for you so what do you think uh, Beth- Bethy, rewind to season one, Bethy Maddox-Sands, <laughs> partner of Iga Sriantek for the 2021 double season, what do you think she's texting her? Do you think she's texting her? What do you think she's texted her in her, in her success over the past two months? Uh, Iga, can you teach me how to play singles? <laughs> You don't think she's just like, Iga, do you want to play doubles again? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I suspect to Iga, she seems fairly humble. She would probably say, Bethy has helped me become a better singles player because of uh, us playing doubles. Yeah, but I mean, like, as as with all girl groups, like, you think Destiny's Child, like, clearly Iga is the Beyonce of that doubles partnership. and. Bethy is the Kelly, you know, Iga knew, Iga knew knew that like she had bigger and better things to conquer. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Sorry, Bethy. I mean, you won a couple tournaments, but it's really, really now Iga's time to shine. Yeah. Yeah. I suspect they'll play more doubles again, but unless she chooses to pull a Sabalenka and focus on singles, which (laughs) hasn't really worked out too well for Sabalenka. (laughs) Ooh, talk about someone that's just like in, down in the dumps. Oh, yeah. girl. Mm-hmm. Are we going to talk about her? We didn't say we were going to talk about her. But it, how did she do in Miami? I didn't follow her this girl, week. Girl, Sabalenka, that's a great question because Sabalenka <laughs> clearly did not make any dent in kind of like the on the tennis radar. The only recollection that I have of her is that her double faulting in matches continues. She... She just needs to have a bit of a reset, you know, like she's really at this stage in her tennis career where she was making a lot of semifinals last year and like not breaking through into that next tier of making finals, contending for Grand Slams. And there's been a hiccup in her game since the beginning of 2021. And she she just needs to really take a pause a la Naomi Osaka and kind of reevaluate where she is. Maybe she needs to be have a little bit of a coaching shakeup. I don't know where her current coaching situation is, but clearly what's happening right now is not serving her. Uh, pun, pun intended. Uh, you shady bitch. Uh, it's not serving her and she needs to she needs to have a bit of a change. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised honestly after this break if she's she will announce kind of a new coaching situation or maybe take a possible break. Yeah, it's clearly like a mental thing mm. that's going on. You know, Zverev knows it all too well in terms of the hiccups with the serve. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, she's not necessarily fun to watch, but she's interesting to watch and hear grunt. And hopefully she can, <laughs> uh, you know, recover and make a comeback. Because I started to um, come to appreciate her a bit more. 
you know, I yes. loved her match against Serena at the Australian Open fourth round last oh, year. Yes. That, that was, was a good one. Very good match, and she had chances for sure. Uh, she played really well. And she had a great little back and forth with Ash Barty, who, again, we're going to talk about later. Last year, they were sort of winning tournaments and making finals together. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we want to see the best for her. We wa- also wanted to chat about Naomi. Mm-hmm. You talked a little bit about her last week and just how she is seems to be feeling about Miami. Maybe that Miami feels a bit more like home um, and is more her vibe. But she talked about how fun the tournament is and just her presence in the final and, you know, knowing that she was going down in defeat, she didn't feel too... She didn't seem too stressed about it um, in the match as it was progressing. And she was very congratulatory and um, uh, made some very nice comments about Iga and her progress and her success. And, you know, they joked about being one all in their rivalry. (laughs) Um, It is surprising that they haven't um, played more. But, um, yeah, she just seemed... Uh, it just she just seemed a bit um, looser and freer and um, yeah it uh, it's a, I guess a bit of a quick turnaround from that whole incident in California. Yeah, you know her attitude is giving one hundred percent Madison Keys. Madison Keys, you and I discussed at the Australian Open, just had a huge appreciation for just being present on the court in Australia and like all of the remember how we talked about how Madison was experiencing a lot of pressure because she felt like she needed to defend defend her points she felt like she needed to defend her ranking and once she took a break from tennis she just had a new appreciation for just being a tennis player and being on the court clearly this has helped for Naomi and I can't help but think that that situation that she found herself in against Serena Williams when she won her first Grand Slam title at the U.S. Open really did her dirty because, I mean, as everyone knows, I'm kind of going through therapy right now. I can only imagine how much, how damaging that was to her tennis psyche. But to see her get back on court at a tournament she clearly loves, she clearly favors, and have such a loose attitude and be so positive even in defeat because let's face it Naomi coming back to Miami after having really done nothing for 2021 and making the final is a huge accomplishment for her Mm -hmm. so I was very happy to see her I mean at the end of the day I would have wished that there was a bit of a more competitive final but I'm happy to see her be so loose and be um, and approach tennis in a different way my only ask is that, girl, you can be loose, you can be free, you can be chill, and you can have like a, a different mindset. But I think there needs to still be like an element of competitiveness and fire that will get you to wanting to win. Not to say that she didn't want to win that final, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know. I, I, I get the vibe that she was a bit too loose. And I yeah. think that she needs to have a bit more fire to, to contend with someone like Ego, who is clearly like, on the most fire right now. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. She's you know what like, I mean? Yeah. She is, when she was hot and wanting to win, she was, you know, you could see the frustration and you could see the fire when she was winning them points. And mm-hmm. she was just a bit sort of 
Milos Raonic, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the aspect of her, um, you know, uh, heading towards the the L versus the W. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you know she can still have some competitiveness and some and some fire, and it's just I think finding the balance. Um, yeah. But I think the balance comes with what I said before we hopped on the mic, which is we need to see her play some more tourneys. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I don't and, think that you go ahead. Yeah. yeah. She and and she'll figure out the time, but she can't just keep playing the one thousand events, even though she can clearly make the final of those when she wants to. Yeah, I mean, to draw a comparison to Serena and Roger, like you're not in the twilight of your career where you can kind of cherry pick which tournaments you want to participate in. You know, as you and I both know, as like. Um, players on the GLTA tour, the more tournaments that you play, like look at yourself when you were playing all of those tournaments, um, pre COVID those, you know, you ended up making a semifinal. Was it a semifinal in Washington? And then you made a final in Indy. It's like the more tournaments you play, the more tennis IQ you acquire. And she needs to get back in the habit of that, of like finding herself in difficult situations, how she can problem solve, and not just allow like winners from Daniel Collins whiz by and like laugh at them. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but big congrats to Iga. New world number one. Three 1,000 events in a row. First Polish number one player. Men Amazing. Or women. Get it, girl. <laughs> uh, Serena and Venus, you wanted to talk about that. You asked a question. <laughs> you asked a question of our listeners. I believe it was today. I did. Uh, you do, you doth post a photo, and you asked a question. I listen. I hadn't posted in a while, but this photo that Serena posted on her IG was triggering for me. She was in. I actually don't even know the designer. I want to say it's Givenchy because of the pattern and a gorgeous hot pink uh her daughter was in the same pattern dress and the immediate thought in my head was like girl are you gonna come back (laughs) i just you know i I said in last week's episode i get the whole king richard promotional tour supporting the biopic that describes your ascent into tennis uh, the tennis hall of fame but we still want to see the serena williams that could capture and tie Margaret Court's 24 Grand Slam titles. And when you post pictures of yourself in a gorgeous dress with your daughter, it makes your tennis-loving fans wonder, are you ready to... Are you even coming back? Because she... Correct me if I'm wrong. She Didn't she say that she was going to play the French Open? She's... I think when she was in that Christian Amanpour interview... <laughs> She said, you know, I hope to be back soon. We'll we'll see if I play the French Open. I kind of, that's kind of the vibe that I was getting from that interview. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, it, as immediately after I posted that poll, is, is she coming back? There were a bunch of you that responded and you can tell it's on, it's on, tennis people's minds is serena gonna come back because we don't see you posting ig stories of yourself on the practice court you know and i mean maybe we can segue a bit to venus but i jumped on venus williams ig live today 
Okay, because I was thinking, okay, maybe she's going to be practicing on a private court at her residence saying, hey, guys, listen, I decided that I'm going to really get into shape for the French Open. King, King Richard, the promotion is done. You know what that girl was doing? She was doing a Pilates workout on like a on a porch <laughs> and, her, and her comments were turned off, which to me is like, is she like, does she not want to field questions about her return to tennis? Like. It's it's just a bit perplexing to me. Yeah. Well, I think she probably doesn't want to field questions about the Oscar slap. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. That was that was crazy. <laughs> that was wild. We're not going to get into that because that's just <laughs> that's just too much. But I did a little um, story on our IG from the airport in Paris yes uh, en route saying that I had watched the movie and I love the movie and for people who hadn't watched the movie the movie is more about Venus's journey and and Richard's sort of track for her um, and Serena is is def- very much a supporting role in the sort of overall um, Richard Williams um, story Um but definitely uh, a very good movie, and um, the slap will probably get a few <laughs> a few more people watching it, if anything. Um, but um, you know, regardless, we hope they come back if that's what they want. But if they don't, you know, when we talk about retirement later in the show, we mm. wish them all the best, and um, it's it's their right to choose when they do that. So. Yeah, I, I just have one little thing to say. I don't know what it is about... I mean, aside from Ash Barty, there have been a couple of women's tennis legends that have kind of delayed their retirement, the announcement of their retirement. Yelena Yankovic would probably be at the very bottom of the totem pole, but anyway, I'm including her. Mary Pierce, Monica Seles, like all of these, play, all of these female players, you knew were kind of past the prime of their career and would announce would expect an announcement of a retirement and i'm not saying like push these ladies to announce to announce it but especially for diehard tennis fans like jason and i it almost kind of prolongs the agony of like girl just tell us that you're retiring so that we can like go to therapy and talk about that <laughs> yeah you hear that kim kleisters <laughs> 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 Wow, you went there. Okay. I did. <laughs> well, you brought her up last week. But like, girl, are you going to play another tournament? You keep... <laughs> Come on. Um, well, somebody who's not retiring anytime soon is Carlos Alcaraz. What's his third name? Gar- Garcia. 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 Um, <laughs> phenomenal. I have been dying to ask you this question, and I know that you said at the beginning of the show that, you know, unlike a normal week where you are extremely attentive and literally eyes glued watching every ATP match, every everything having to do with men's tennis. Yeah, I do have the answer to your question. Uh, Yes, he does need to tweeze those eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) I already told him that. I said to I said to him like, babe, listen, it's not a good look. You're yeah. you need to tweet. You're 18 now. Yeah, he just <laughs> needs to take a look at you and longing <laughs> as he does longingly and and see what real eyebrows should look like. 
Listen, I know for <laughs> I know for a fact, uh, Carlos Alcaraz Garcia. Are we going to do that? We're going to do that. I think so. Okay, Carlos Alcaraz Garcia was not on your like number one choice to win the tournament. Are you surprised in seeing some of his play and his development as a player? What like what's your feel about him? And I say this with the utmost reverence because I do absolutely respect your analysis of the men's tour. What do you have to say for my new ATP boyfriend? I mean, he's got all the gifts. Yeah. I mean, there's not much else that you really need to say other than that. He's super athletic, super quick, has tremendous power, was pulling out the drops shot like nobody's business. (laughs) And... um, yeah, he was putting everybody on notice. He was super competitive in all of his matches. I think the only one that went to three sets was Kritmanovic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, tough, tough battle against Hercatch, and then Casper. Uh, I thought he was he he had his chances early on in the match, but then he went away as Carlos was fighting back in that first set. Yeah, you know what? Can you? I'm having difficulty with feeling like I feel like we need to talk about Ketsmanovich for a second. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. First of all, who is she? I'm putting (laughs) Mariah Carey. I don't know who she, I didn't know who she was. That semifinal girl, Ketsmanovich was just in the driver's seat for most of it. And I had never seen him play before. He's this, he's Serbian, correct? Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned on last week's episode, I really didn't know him, but I knew that he was kind of pulling consistent results at the beginning of 2021. And wow, what an incredible player. Yeah. Yeah, now he's he's like Djokovic who? <laughs> <laughs> now he's uh, up there at number 38. Yeah, he it was the quarterfinal that he oh, faced Carlos. Um, yeah, uh, I didn't watched the match but saw the highlights it was incredible he's not somebody i had really seen um before either but i'll i'll be paying attention yeah i feel like you should put him on your on your like watch list yeah yeah i'm usually good with that like you know sinner it's like we should watch him so yeah let's let's add him Um, okay yeah sounds good um carlos alcaraz garcia (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> First Spaniard to ever win Miami. I learned through this whole uh, week that Nadal had made the final five times and has never won. What? How did it, how did that detail escape us? I only knew as I was watching the final. They were rattling off others who had made the final. I think Ferrer was another one who had made the final. Hmm. And there was one or two others uh, before uh, him and Nadal. Carlos is the first. I, I'm stupefied. Let me just take you back to last week's episode. So, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to reveal that I was kind of seeing him. I knew that you were in Italy. I was. I flew to <laughs> Miami on the DL. As you all know from last week's episode, I didn't want to have hot dogs for dinner that night. He was like so convinced that we should just stay in. And have a couple of hot dogs. I'm like, no, I'm in Miami, girl. I brought all my all my pieces. I need to go out. <clears throat> and um, what was the point of the story? <laughs> um, I, you know what? I was very 
not astounded, but like I was, I was taken aback by Andy Roddick's comment about my current ATP boyfriend, and he made the comparison that uh, Carlos Alcaraz Garcia's forehand is like Andre Agassi's, and in the sense that he doesn't need a lot to kind of like wind up and blast an insane forehand, which goes to what you spoke to earlier. I mean, when you're 18 years old and like young and you know, just have so much energy. You have just like a level of athleticism that's kind of so, so astounding to watch. And, you know, to, to make that analogy to Agassi, I think is really insane because Agassi has had, has one of the best forehands in the history of men's tennis. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the sky's the limit for him, obviously. I think he's moving into up to number 11. I didn't Il- actually... Il- 11. I didn't actually check what his ranking is right now. But 11. That is, is correct. It? Yeah. Yeah. Number 11. So, you know, he's now supplanted like Dennis and a few of these other players who were closer to the top 10. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I mean, the guy is really good. He He's amazing. I, I will say this. You know, I listen. I I I'm getting nice bags. I'm getting nice dinners. But <laughs> let this, let this serve as a notice to all ATP players. You want to boost your ranking. You want to get up there and contend for Masters, win Masters 1,000 titles, win Grand Slams, get deep in a draw, hike up, like get up to number 11. You know what they got to do? Date me. Yeah. Uh, hello, uh, Stefano Sisipas. You know, we're going to talk about those three. Yeah. I'm assuming later in the episode, but That's I'm why just he's saying. Slipping. <laughs> That's why <yeah>. he's slipping. <laughs> just like I'm. I mean, like I'm taking right now, but who knows next week? <laughs> well, ne- well, next time he gives you a bag, make sure to just give him a set of tweezers. <laughs> um, jokes aside, congrats. Congrats, Carlos. I think people feel like he's the the guy to supplant Rafa in terms of like Spanish player with athleticism, yes. aggressive, goes for every point. Obviously, like super nice and charming, and um, yeah. I I do have a, a quick question for you. Do you feel that Carlos more than any other? relatively young ATP player. I'm going to rattle off a few names like um, Herkash. Uh, who's the other? Rude. I mean, he's relatively young, is he not? Yeah, he's like 23, I think. Do you feel that people have more of um, not a reason, but like, you know how we were talking about getting behind players when they're young and following the trajectory of their career. Mm-hmm. So Hubi, Herkash, Rude, um, who was the one that I mentioned initially? Felix. Felix. <laughs> Dennis. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for calling me out for, for not supporting Canadian tennis. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Do you think that people have more of a gusto in supporting someone like Carlos because he's so young? I do believe that there is something to be said about people being blown away about accomplishments at a young age. It's why people are so enamored with Iga and all of the success that she's having and consistency. And now they're seeing that from Carlos on the men's side and in the men's side 
players, um, I think, of the last decade or so have had um, their successes sort of mid to late 20s. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it hasn't been since Rafa, since Roger, since Djokovic, uh, Murray, that um, there's been success in sort of the late teens. So it's it's why people are so enamored um, with him. And, you know, he has the Spaniard connection, the, the s- similar um, aggressive quickness and style perhaps of Nadal. There's, I think, going to be the comparisons besides the fact that they just play from different side, different, <laughs> different arms. <laughs> so... Yeah, he's he's very exciting and you know, he's now leapfrogging some of those guys that we we have cared or have wanted to care about, like the sinners and the the Felixes and the Dennises. He's leapt he's leapt them um by winning a, a Masters one thousand title before Milos Ranich. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what to say about that. I, I just think that we we saw it in Carlos two years ago when he played Rafa at the French Open. That we knew that there was like really something special about this kid, and as they all do on Instagram, everyone's just like rushing to find that photo of like seven-year-old Carlos holding the hand <laughs> of like you know 23 year old Rafael Nadal you know they they knew that there was something really special in this kid but some you know you can't deny talent and this kid is breaking all I'm talking as if he's a kid but he's actually my boyfriend right. I mean my boyfriend is breaking all <laughs> all the um the records yeah so watch out for her watch out for her Watch out for Rude too. Like he's, I like his game, his style. Like he's, he's also like a little guy. He's slight, but he also takes the ball early. He's super aggressive, um, has a good serve. I just like his chances to, you know, win a few of these 1,000 events and, you know, leapfrog the 500. Since he's, <laughs> since he's only won 250s, he's going to leapfrog and. You know, maybe win a, a bigger event this year for sure. I actually thought he might win this match. Yeah, I mean, with all of his experience in finals, albeit only two fifty, I would have put the money on him as well. To be honest. Yeah, especially the way the match started. Like, yeah. Carlos started a bit slow. He got broken right away. And um, yeah, I just like Casper's game. He's very quick. Um, you know, he's. I guess shut up Nick by making the final <laughs> even though he lost to him in Indian Wells um, yeah we did say we were going to talk about sort of the the sort of the new I guess three guys Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev I guess we can put Rublev in there mm. obviously they haven't had a good last few weeks Zverev has had his issues and needs a bit of anger management Tsitsipas <laughs> lost to your new boyfriend <laughs> and uh, Medvedev had a very short stint at number one and then lost to Hubie here in Miami and mm-hmm. now is out for two months. I think he's dealing with a hernia. Yeah. So he gets to use the hernia as an excuse to bypass his favorite surface. <laughs> <laughs> but like what's going on with these, this crew of guys who really should be taking advantage of 
the absence of of those three guys and making people forget about them not being around. Yeah, doesn't it make you feel what's the word I'm looking for? It makes me feel a bit ashamed. Maybe that's not the right word, but it's the best word that I can find in the moment. When we were bigging them up so hard as the three to replace the big three, I earnestly and honestly thought last year that it was going to be like a consistent finding one of those three in the semi or final of every Masters, every Grand Slam from 2022, sorry, from 20, yeah, from 2022 onward. But I mean, clearly, I can only kind of speak about Zverev because clearly he has a bit of like a anger issue that's kind of working in and how he's been dealing with his stuff on court. Steph is just, I don't know. Don't you find that people are forgetting about Steph? No mm-hmm. one's talking about him in a draw. Yeah. Yeah, it is a weird. There's a just there's a weird sort of lull with these, with these guys. I mean, Medvedev. Obviously, there's a whole lot of stuff going on with. Uh, I don't know if he's sort of bagged by what's going on in, in with his country invading Ukraine. Um, Zverev obviously has some of those other issues uh, going on. Sitsipas <laughs> thinks. Um, women should play best three of five. That's the thing that he, sh- <laughs> he should most talk about. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's just an interesting time when these guys should be taking advantage of of the moment, and we're not seeing that. And you know, we're absent Dominic Team, who is yeah. still recovering from injury, and Rublev's had more success um, than I think all those those three this year. He's sort of one who has um, one of the best records next to Nadal, Carlos, and I forget who else. There's another who's like above 80% in terms of match wins. So, mm-hmm. Well, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. Last year in Miami, Hubi won his first 1,000 Masters Series title. He beat Sinner, correct? Correct. And it wasn't until the clay court season did we really see the three that are in a lull kind of ramp it up, right? Mm. Like Zverev ended up winning. Um, he won a big title. Didn't he win Madrid? He won Madrid last year. Yeah. Um, he won that, Madrid. Um, and Tsitsipas won Monte Carlo. Yes. Rublev right? beat Rublev in the final. Yeah. Um, thank you, because I would have not remembered, but I just remember Zverev holding that phallic trophy with the, <laughs> you know what I mean? It looked like yeah. a dildo. Um, <laughs> so, listen, maybe the the Sunshine Double tourneys are not kind of a place where they will show up. I think that this conversation could be revisited when we're kind of pre-French Open, seeing how they're doing in all of the clay court tune-ups, like Monte Carlo... Madrid, Barcelona. Like, I would be curious to see what game they bring to that and if they're able to kind of recapture the momentum that they had pre-French Open. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I I, I suspect no. That's my gut feeling. I suspect mm-hmm. that there's going to be a, a new crop of players to, like, really contend at the during the European clay court season because, it, you know, you and I kind of have a gauge of even though we obviously don't talk to these players, like we have a gauge of like 
what their kind of mind frame is. And Medvedev, even even in his kind of like encore displays, like kind of, well, he's out. He's out anyway. Right. So, yeah, yeah. He's out for the next one to two months, according to his Instagram post. So, yeah, yeah we'll see. I mean, it starts as I posted in Bologna with, <laughs> at the clay court there during a run that Wade forced me to go on. Um, Monte Carlo starts on Monday. So... For- Monte Carlo starts on Monday? Uh, wait. It starts on Sunday. Sorry. Wow. So yeah. we're really getting into it. Yeah. They don't... You know You know this sport as much as I do. They don't... They do not take a break. I know. I mean, the ladies are in Charleston playing on that green clay right now. Like, it's clay court season right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's time. It's time. Uh, you know what it was also time for? <laughs> Barty's retirement, apparently. Wow. I I can <laughs> that never. That was a, I, not a good segue. No, that was a good. That was an oh, excellent so? segue. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> so we, uh, full disclosure, uh, listeners, we had planned to talk about this before I went away because it was such shock. But um, we decided to give ourselves a break and and wait to talk about it now. How are you feeling about it now that you've seen that? photo and that article of her swinging a golf club and and looking like she's going on a pro golf stint um how do i feel about barty's retirement i will just share with everyone that as soon as she retired there were a plethora of people that slid into our dms being like girl girls did you hear did you hear (laughs) Uh, the shock i heard around the tennis universe barty's retirement um I think it's a bit of a shame, and this is speaking from a tennis fan, that you don't have a player of Barty's caliber and style in the mix in a draw. Barty offered something very different than what a lot of these other female players are offering. She offered like a serve and volley, an amazing serve, um, a a whip forehand, a slice backhand, something that we haven't seen Mm -hmm. since Steffi. Beautiful slice backhand. Beautiful slice backhand. So to not see that variety in her and how that would kind of match up against a power player like Osaka is really sad. Ultimately, as you said at the very beginning of the show, to kind of go out on your own terms is really nice. So, yeah, I mean, like, am I happy for her? I don't know if I'm happy for her. (laughs) Yeah, I, you know... Of course, it's nice. That doesn't mean we have to be happy about it. <laughs> we can be upset about it. Like we want this. She's the player that we have asked for that we've talked about wanting in the women's tour to dominate and you know stake her claim. And she was just starting to do that, and then she quits on us. Like I don't like it. Yeah, I felt like you were really getting into her. Yeah, you you were really getting into um, her dominance last year when she was winning all those like clay court. She won Stuttgart. You're really getting into her like really staking claim at the number one ranking. And I mean, what are you gonna do? She wants to. Is she gonna join the LPGA? Is that a thing? <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, because as anyone who's been with us, uh, as Aldwin would say, from the jump. <laughs> We, in the early episodes of the show, forgot who the number one player in the world was because she doth not play. And then she 
she checked us. She she took names. She won <laughs> titles on clay, on hardcore. She fulfilled her dream of winning Wimbledon, which, from my understanding, for Australians is uh, is a bigger deal than even winning your home slam, which she also did. And then she's like, deuces. I'm out. The Barty party becomes a Barty wake. Like, she didn't want to try and win the U.S. Open. She didn't want to do that. Like, career career Grand Slam. Yeah. Maybe she's going to retire. Maybe she's going to have a, a child with her fiancé. Mm-hmm. And then she'll pull a Kim Kleisters and she'll come back and win the U.S. Open again. Or, or for the first time. I don't know. You don't <laughs> think she... What's your, what's your over-under on her coming back? Because people are obviously already talking about that because she... She was in tennis. She did retire at, what, 19 or something and Mm -hmm. decided to take up rugby. And then she came back at 22. And now she's, you know, pretty much dominated for three years and then retired again. The feeling that I got in watching Barty's uh, announcement of her retirement, she was being interviewed by her good friend Casey Delacqua. Um, love her. Love you, Casey. Girl, come on our show. I love you. We love you. <laughs> um, it, I think the common thread and theme that Barty repeats over and over again in her interviews is that she wants to do things on her terms. <coughs> so I don't get the sense that she will want to come back. I mean, who knows what the future holds, but according to her, she's accomplished everything that she wanted to do in the sport of tennis. And it kind of reflective in how she spent the last two years on tour and taking breaks. <coughs> Oof. That's okay. I'll edit that out. <coughs> she, um, I know I will. <laughs> she, you know, I don't, I think it's, I think it's, I think she's done. And I'm, and it's good that she's going out on her own terms, to be honest. And Aldwin's getting choked up talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? It, clearly, um, you know, she's a bit of a, a reserved person. I think it um, when you look at her participating in interviews, she's obviously very well spoken. But I think in terms of how other players have talked about their media experience, I think she also had a tough time with the whole um just the whole experience of what's involved in being a professional tennis player and the the day-to-day grind and she dealt with the pandemic issues of being Australian and being on the road for like six or eight months and not being able to go home because of the whole rigmarole of what's involved with with that Mm -hmm. last year so yeah I think you know there is a very small chance that she'll come back but i agree it's probably pretty small which is it's a huge huge loss and you know i'm i'm not dragging her for her decision i'm just very very sad because i think you know there was so much potential there she could have gotten to 10 12 slams yeah agreed i mean Igus spent no time erasing ash barty from that number one ranking though yeah she was like see a girl 
by who was number one? I mean, like she was pulling a Jason and Aldwin, and like Ash Barty was number one. <laughs> yeah, she did like the complete opposite of what Daniil Medvedev did. <laughs> Daniil, come on our show. <laughs> now that you're injured and you have some time, come hang out with us. I know, girl. We know that you're a sneaky link. Like we've seen you watch our our our. You've our seen stories. our stories. Yeah. yeah, girl. Please don't pretend like you don't know us. <laughs> and Ega, you've seen our stories too. Now you're number one. Come on our show, girl. Listen for the for the record. For the record, I will say with confidence that we have probably had every player in the top ten, in the current top ten on the women's and men's side that we've that has seen our stories. Yeah. With their own eyeballs. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. All of you should come on our show, including you, Sabalenka. <laughs> okay. Um, hope, hopefully everyone is excited for Iga, excited for Carlos Alcaraz Thiani. What's his last name? Thiani. Gar- <laughs> Gar- Gar- Garcia. Garcia <laughs> with an F. I don't know if I can get hit with that, to be honest with you. Um, I was just playing. I didn't actually remember it, but I, I was gonna, I'm was. i just going to wing it and make up a name. And we are all excited, just like Nick Kyrgios, who won his first clay court match today since, like, however long. We're all excited for the clay. Wait, where are the men right now? Um, he won a match, I believe... Mexico? Shoot. Oh my god, I'm on, I'm on the spot as we're rapping. Houston. Oh, there's nice. a clay court event in Houston. You know, he likes. He, I think he he likes the American events. Um, you know, he drags all of the European players who who he feels only <laughs> play on the clay anyway. So he he likes he likes the vibe in America. So yeah. Um, can I just say one thing? Yes. Uh, thank you to everyone that voted us that voted for us for the sports podcast awards. Did we win? <laughs> <laughs> we did not win. Oh, who uh, won? They, I don't care. I mean, who this weird podcast, they, <laughs> it, I don't even, it was like a weird, like what you talking about Willis or something like that. Oh, okay, cool. Anyway, it was, te- it wasn't televised. It was streamed on YouTube. J- um, I'll share the link with you, Jay, in a second. But um, yeah, thank you to all of our supporters. We don't forget about you. And um, that's it. Yeah. And don't forget about us. You can go to patreon.com <laughs> <laughs> forward slash ready play tennis and uh, support the show or buy some merch. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Yeah, we're going to get into the clay court season, bitch. Seasone. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We're here for your tennis-tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready. Play Tennis Podcast.